Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and we've got our good buddy Meathead with us. Um, If you miss the regular show, if you only listen to this online, um, go listen to the regular show. And we talked a lot about seasonings and rubs. And and then there was a little tidbit at the very end of the show that I'm not going to, I'm just going to tease you with it. And you need to listen to that because it has to do with Meathead and what he's doing right now in the world. So it's very good. Anyway, what are some of the basic, uh, sometimes not so basic questions that people send you, Meathead, uh, about uh, seasonings and rubs and, you know, this kind of open-ended, but prep time. And then, you know, we've, we've been saying for quite a while now, and you and I have been doing it for years, is put pull your steak out, you know, season it with salt, put it back in the fridge. Um I'll do mine in the mornings if I'm going to cook them for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a good practice. You know, and just put them back in there. I, I put a loose cover on them and, and I take them out of the packaging, of course. Mm-hmm. But I do that. But, you know, that's me because I'm really into this as you are. So, but some people like, well, won't that, you know, won't that ruin it? So on and so forth. So I just wanted to see what some of the questions that you field from people are. Um, a lot of people think that the salt is going to pull the water out, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't. What it does is, is it may bring some of the liquid to the surface where it dissolves the salt, and then it goes back in. It, what happens is, is a lot of times when you put a rub on ribs or pork butt or something, you will see a lot of liquid in the uh, container afterwards. But that's the result of not the salt, but the other herbs and spices. Mm -hmm. They don't go into the meat. They sit on the surface, and they can pull liquid out. Um, But um, the salt does not in general, sometimes it might, but rarely does it pull the liquid out. So that's a a question I often get is, you know, I don't think I should salt in advance because it pulls liquid out. Well, no, that's because you're putting the entire rub on. It, the salt is not doing that. So right. I get that. I, we just get a lot of questions. Um, you can ask a question on any page of the website. And there's over 2,000 pages. Um, and most of the questions we get are about what to buy, equipment. Um, we have a, a fairly extensive product review program. Um, you know Max Good, who's been sure. a guest on your show. Max is our full-time grill and smoker tester, and he's tested and reviewed and rated hundreds of grills and smokers, physically cooked on them, kicked the tires, um, looked at the welding and so on, and has detailed reviews, including videos of them. 
And then we have an electrical engineer who tests thermometers, uh, which may be the most important tool a cook can have. Um, and we read and review those. With, and we have special equipment that tests the accuracy and the speed of the thermometers. And so we get a lot of questions like that, you know. I want to buy a barrel smoker. Which one should I buy, the pit barrel smoker or the Hunsacker? You know, and uh, we get a lot of that kind of stuff, um, which we're happy to help with. Uh, uh, We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, five of us who watch those reader questions pretty carefully. You ask a question, you're likely to get a response within the hour. Um, And... uh, uh, we don't always agree, but, uh, you'll get some good answers. Do you ever get somebody that, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say it's a trick question, but I've run into this too. They have their, their beliefs, their system that they use, what have you. And they ask you a question and then they want to mm, vivaciously uh, discuss with you. Argue with me. Yeah, that's basically it. On there, this. there are two articles on the website that draw the most argumentative readers. One is an article about no ketchup on hot dogs, and it's a humor piece. It is clearly a humor piece. It talks about the the famous Dirty Harry movie where Clint Eastwood is disgusted by his partner for putting ketchup on his hot dog. And it talks about... uh, There are just a whole bunch of hot dog jokes on this page, but people don't get it. They read this and they say, who the heck are you to tell me not to put ketchup on my hot dog? I'll put whatever I want. It's a free. And it's like, I have come to a conclusion (laughs) that if you put ketchup on your hot dog, it robs you of your sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) That is the one of the most. And the other one is, is the article we wrote about beer can chicken. Yeah. Um, that little Buddha of a bird has so many religious followers that they are absolutely convinced it's the most brilliant way to cook a chicken. And we prove with equipment, science, testing, thermometers, that it doesn't work the way they think it works. The beer does not get into the meat at all, zero, under no circumstances, no way, no how. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go deep into it right now. Sure. uh, But um, there are people, and we present the data. We weigh the can before. We weigh the can after. Um, uh, We explain the meat science, and uh, uh, we, we, you know... They will, they, they don't, either they don't read it or they read it and they don't believe it or they come back with specious, well, obviously you slept through physics class. No, actually, I worked on this article with a physics professor. Um, <laughs> yep. And they just won't accept that beer can, of course beer can chicken tastes wonderful. It's roast chicken. All roast chicken tastes wonderful. It's just that the beer can has nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, well, so. I, I run into the same thing. When people talk about they're marinating or brining their turkey 
for mm-hmm. th- for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and they've got a they've got a five gallon bucket, and it's been in there for two days, and all this. And I've and uh, I mean, if you want to do that, have at it. It's none of my business. Mm-hmm. But you will not come to my house and have Thanksgiving with a bucket brined turkey. Well, they fill that bucket with apple juice and brown sugar and garlic and black pepper. And as we discussed during the first hour, those things cannot penetrate. Right. They will sit on the surface, so they'll they'll season the surface, but they're not going to get into the meat. Only the salt will. Um, so a far better strategy is to take that bird the day before and dry brine it or sprinkle salt all over it so the salt can penetrate deep. And then if you want, at any time, sprinkle the brown sugar, sprinkle the black pepper, the garlic, whatever else you want on the surface. It's a surface treatment and save yourself a bunch of money. And and boy, keeping that five-gallon bucket cold, I mean, it's just, you know, and yes, you're right. Yeah. People... But somehow that process caught fire about 20 years ago, and it hasn't gone away. And I'm pretty sure I'm the one who coined the term dry brining. Um, uh, The concept was actually um, uh, first uh, championed by Judy Rogers of the Zuni Cafe in Berkeley, California. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was doing it with chickens. And, uh, but I, I've, I've been, you know, teaching people to do it with all meats now. Right. And, uh, um, and, uh, it's really caught on. Yeah. And when you're saying like, you know, caught fire, the other thing that I'm, i people ask me about is, um, and it's always around, well, it's either Thanksgiving or Christmas, but we always yeah. have news stories of somebody that wanted to deep fry their turkey, which deep fried turkey is delicious. I love it. You know, it's great. I'll, I'll sit there and eat the whole skin. You can have the turkey, you know, (laughs) you know, I'm such a hog to that type of thing, but my point. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But somebody dumbass is always catching their garage on fire because you've got a 20 pound frozen projectile, putting it in 400 degree oil and off it goes, you know? So, well, they just, you know, there are a couple of factors about it. It is a very dangerous process. Now, if you know exactly how to do it, you're very careful and you've practiced at it. It's not a problem. And it makes really moist, delicious turkey. Um, I think just, you know, spatchcocking it and smoking it is just as tasty, if not more tasty. But, um, uh, you know, you, 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 you should not deep fry a frozen bird. Um, you, you, you'll have to calculate the, um, uh, the displacement of the bird mm-hmm. so that, you, you know, it's going to push the oil up and possibly over the lip. And if it does that, now you've got a major fire problem. And a lot of people, as you say, do it in their garage and it can catch the garage <laughs> on fire. You go to YouTube and uh, just Google uh, fried turkey disaster, and there's just tons of pictures, videos of people setting their house, their porch, their deck, their lawn, their garage on fire um, because the oil overflows. And even if they've calculated the displacement properly, um, they forget that 
um, there's a lot of water. It's 70% to 75% water in that bird, and oil and water don't mix. And with all that hot oil, 375-degree oil, um, there's going to be a lot of steam exiting that bird, making huge bubbles. Yeah. So even if you've calculated that the oil is not going to rise more than, say, an inch below the edge of the pot, it's going to bubble over anyhow due to all the uh, steam boiling up. So it's just, you know, uh, and and the other thing is, is they'll often just lower it in with a with a uh, w- with that little plastic hook around the mm-hmm. legs <laughs> um and of course as it starts to bubble and boil and steam they're going to set their arm on fire and third degree burns and then when it comes over they're standing there in their sandals yeah um and they, they go oh it's just you know it's just fraught with hazard uh, there is a good way to do it and we are about to publish a 399 ebook on Kindle, on Amazon, on cooking turkey, and we do have in there the step-by-step proper procedure for deep-frying turkey. But, uh, you know, I I don't bother much anymore. No, 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 no. I mean, I did it a number of times, and usually it was very successful. Um, but I... I'll say that. It is fast. It is fast. And like I said, the, the turkey comes out great if you've done it right. The skin is marvelous. It's not greasy. Nope. 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 Not at all. But uh, I just didn't like the responsibility of having, uh, like my daughter when she was little, you know, wandering around going, hey, dad, what are you doing out here? You know. Um, and oh, there, yeah. There you've got yeah, this big cauldron. Yeah, the dog, yeah, the that, cat, that, whatever. That, that that tripod with that pot of oil on top is precarious. If the dog brushes up against it or, you know, uh, oh, yeah, boy. It, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's just a very dangerous way to cook. Out of all the things you've done, here's another personal question, and then we'll wrap this. Of all the things you've done in your life between the wine and the, the testing company and the, the columns and amazing ribs and that, is there one thing that really sticks out to you that you're you were really satisfied, you were really proud of, you know, that you said, I did that? And, and it's quiet to yourself. You don't usually talk about it. But is there one thing that stands out to you? Wow. Um, you know, I, I mean, now we're looking back at a life. Um, I have had so many um, things that I'm proud of that I'm that I've accomplished that have worked out well and many things that I've failed at uh, and that I wish I could do. You know, you listen to people who are interviewed. Usually the question you just asked is asked a different way. It's asked if you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? Right. And um, the answer often is I wouldn't do anything different. And I just slap my forehead when I hear that. It's like, you didn't learn anything. Right. <laughs> you know, there's so many things I would do different. But I mean, I've just had a, you know, I, I I married a wonderful woman. We're going on 46 years. Uh, I mean, um, I had no idea that the marriage would last that long and that it would be such a great life. Um, uh, we've traveled. I mean, my trips to Italy and France have been wonderful. I've eaten and drank 
great meals, great foods, great wines. My book, my book was a tremendous accomplishment. It's got a quarter of a million copies in circulation and it's still selling rapidly. It was called one of the hundred best cookbooks on our, uh, ever published. The website, amazingribs.com, it's by far the most popular barbecue and grilling website and our team. Um, I mean, you know, we, we revolutionized the way wines are judged at Beverage Testing Institute. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I'm, you know, 72, I, 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 I'm, I, you know, uh, you can pull the plug on me now and I'd be, uh, I, I would be proud of what I've accomplished. Well, you've had a very fulfilling life is the way I would look at it. Yeah. Even, even with, yeah. you know, we all make mistakes. We all have our ups and downs. I get that. I've certainly had my share over the years of being in the crazy businesses I've been in. But when you look back in hindsight and you look at your life and overall, you know, my, I look at it and go, I have a lovely family. Um, I'm proud of my work. Uh, people tend to, for the most part, like my shows, just like people tend for the most part to like your website. There's always a few naysayers out there. I don't care about them. Um, Not on my website. No, <laughs> no, no. Of course there are. I'm kidding. I know, but I'm just saying that I look at that and say, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's just the catch up guys and the, uh, oh, uh yeah. the beer can chicken guys that don't like my website. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's true. That's true. But I'm, you know, I'm not those it's guys. Been, it's been good. Uh, and there is plenty I would do different. Uh, uh, I, uh, the, 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 the wine company, the, I, I started a magazine in the wine business, um, uh, the, the, the teaching and conveying information on slices of dead tree is a really bad <laughs> idea. It's really expensive printing and postage. And this was, you know, back in the 1990s and the internet was just coming around. We were just a little ahead of that era. Um, it's so expensive and, uh, I brought in investors and oh God, they were a pain in the neck. And that was one of the reasons I left the wine world. My investors were just absolutely intolerable. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'd have, there are many things. Well, I, that is, you know, here for anybody who's still listening, there is this idea that the entrepreneur in America is what makes America great. The great savior of the American industry and business. And you see them in television shows, the, uh, the, 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 the great inventors of America and stuff. And you know, if you watch the shark tank, which I enjoy watching, um, you, you see these people and they come up with an idea and it's an interesting concept and they go out there and there's four or five professional investors and they look at them and they say, Nope, and the, the, they turn around and they walk off stage and they stand there and face the camera after they've been rejected. And they say, they just don't get it. I'm keeping, a, I'm going to keep plugging. I'm not quitting. And you want to wring their necks. You want to you say, dude, you're going to destroy your marriage. You're going to lose your house. Um, you know, if, 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 if given a choice, Often, it's a lot better to go to work for somebody, nine to five, punch that clock, 
quit work at five o'clock, go home, cook dinner, have fun with your family, watch TV, take a two week paid vacation, get health care. Starting a business means seven days a week, 12 to 14 hours a day. Um, uh, bankers, investors, employees. I mean, that is not a fun life. And uh, you may be lucky. It may work and you may make a lot of money. But more likely, it's not going to work, and it could destroy everything that you ever dreamed of. So I, I would, I would say, as a serial entrepreneur, I haven't had a job for working for somebody else since I turned twenty-two or twenty-three. I worked mm -hmm. in liquor stores up until my mid-twenties, and I've been on my own as an entrepreneur since. And I've had some failures, some good ones. Uh, fortunately, I'm in a good business now that's working. Yep. But, oh, my goodness, um, I look back on my life and I wonder, what if I had taken a job as the national sales rep for Torres Wines, as they offered me at one point, uh, $100,000 a year back in the 80s? Um, what would I be worth today, and how much different would my life be? And, uh, you know, you wonder. Uh, that, that was a turn that I took, and you wonder. And I wonder, I would, I would tell anybody who's thinking about you know, quitting their job and being their own boss, give it a lot of thought. Yep. Call me. Yep. Call me. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And you did in your list of people that you deal with, you, you left out one particular group that I'm overly fond of, which is attorneys. Um, oh. you, you have to, you have to these days. They have saved my life. I, I am not someone who hates lawyers. My attorney and my account, my attorneys and accountants over the years have been blessings, not curses. But they've alerted me to problems that I had never thought about. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, boy, I just, it, there's just so much you've got to think about before you start a business. Well, I don't, I don't dislike attorneys. For the most part, I like them. And like you, I've had a couple that have really had my back over the years. And one of them is one of my best friends and, and helps me with some things. But they are expensive, and they've gotten yeah. more expensive. And, yep. And uh, so it's just one of the things. Anyway, Meathead, I'm, uh, it's been a wonderful conversation today, actually. Yeah. Uh, got into a lot of different areas, and we will certainly do it again here in a month or two. And Because uh, Meathead is our, our, our steadfast, you know. <laughs> holiday guy. Holiday guy on the mast, and then a few times any, any uh, other things in between. So thank you. Uh, I hope you guys have a. Have a good week coming up, good Labor Day, and all that stuff. Yeah, you too. Um, yeah, always fun talking to you. It is. It, I know. I know. Anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of uh, After Hours for Barbecue Nation. Until then, remember our motto here, turn it, don't burn it, and we will see you then. Take care, everybody.